This is Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. If there's something I love, it's a good story. And I think part of that might come from the fact that I'm Cajun, and so storytelling is kind of our thing, and it's usually this long, roundabout, drawn-out story that either gets exaggerated or retold in a variety of different ways with different perspectives and far too many details that you probably don't want to know. You've been listening to this podcast for a while. Obviously, you know how I talk, and it's part of my culture. It's part of my heritage as a Cajun woman. But I think the thing that I love about stories the most is that they are centered around a person who has something beautiful to share and has, I think, not only lessons for us to learn, but, but a point that can be made, that, that can be extrapolated, that we can then um, see ourselves within in some capacity. And, and part of the reason I think this Catholic Family Series not only is timely, but, but is also meaningful um, and, and almost even necessary in the world today is because Catholic families have beautiful stories. Catholic families look different. Catholic families exist differently. Catholic families adhere to the tenets and the teachings of the faith, but, but oftentimes that lived reality day-to-day can look different, uh, even if it's, it's families that live right next door to each other. And I, I think that really giving space to telling those stories, to having conversations with people who have experienced and who have lived Catholic family life in beautiful and unique ways um, is a gift, is an opportunity uh, to showcase something good happening within the life of the church. Um, today's episode, I think, tells maybe one of the best stories we've ever told on this podcast uh, with my dear, dear friend, Marcia Lane McGee. You know, sometimes you meet a person who just, um, you just, they have it, and you know they have it, and you're delighted by them, and you enjoy spending time with them, and you don't get to spend enough time with them because you live far away from each other, but anytime you do get to see each other, whether virtually or in person, uh, there's an instant connection, and that's Marseille and I's friendship, and I think Marseille is such an easy person to not only relate to, but to be a friend with, um, is because she has such a powerful story. She has lived so much life. She has so much experience, and from that great wisdom. And today's conversation, I think, gives uh, gives way to a unique version of family life um, that many of us may not have even considered, that many of us may not even know really is out there. Um, and I, I don't want to spoil the surprise by any means, but it's definitely not something that I think any of us are expecting to hear when we say Catholic family life. This is not the cookie-cutter version of it that we assume or that we hear about or that we maybe even picture for ourselves, but is instead a beautiful snapshot of, of the way God can work in unique and beautiful ways. This is, of course, all part of our Ave Explorers series where we are unpacking what Catholic family life looks like. And uh, up to this point in the series, we have a ton of content that you can go access, both in the podcast and our pre-recorded Facebook Live videos, which are available on the website, and the articles and the special social media posts. We have really been doing a, a proper deep dive into what family life looks like and why family life is beautiful. You know, on a personal note... Um, family life for me right now is amplified to the max. Not just because I'm nine months pregnant and do any day, but because a week ago um, I evacuated with my family from Hurricane Laura, uh, rushed north 
to family's home and am here for the foreseeable future because our town is not livable because it was decimated by this storm. And there have been some easy days in the past week and there have been some really, really difficult days and through it all, I am with my family, with my mom and dad, with my 83-year-old grandfather, with my husband and my three-year-old daughter, five dogs, you heard that correctly, five dogs in a 1,600-square-foot house, and we're waiting for Claire to be born any day. And I, I keep looking around at the crowded living room or the cluttered bedrooms or the piles of things that we evacuated with and think it's messy, but it's ours. And it's, it's a crazy story, but it's ours, and it's a good story. And that's the beauty of Catholic family life, really good stories that come out of it. Really good stories that we're telling on AveMariaPress.com. An excellent story that Marseille is going to tell us today, as well as wisdom and insight into what Catholic family life looks like, especially for single people. Your really good story, which is worth sharing and worth telling people about. And I hope, if anything, that this Ave Explorer series on family life encourages you to think about your own family's story and your own experience. Today's episode is one uh, that I hope moves you, is one that I hope inspires you to see the breadth and the depth of what it means to be truly pro-life, of what it means to be open to God's plan. Um, And I hope that it inspires you to click on over to AveMariaPress.com and check out all of our excellent content on this Ave Explorer series on Catholic family life. So without further ado, a conversation with my good friend, Marcea Lane McGee. Well, Marcea, thanks so much for joining us on Ave Explorers. Thanks for having me, Katie. I'm super excited to be here. It's nice to see you. So Tommy and I were talking this morning, and he was like, when did you meet Marcea? Because I knew her before you knew her. And I said, dang, rolling down the river in a San Antonio Irish pub in, I think it was 2015? Yeah, or at the end of 2014. Tommy and I were just newly dating. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. Yes, but I actually met you before that. Oh, no. Did I? Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, no. It's okay. It's okay because it's funny because you told the story and you actually remembered it. So it's okay. You just forgot again. Um, (laughs) You did the, you were the keynote speaker for AC or AYC or ICYC. ICYC, yeah. Yes, ICYC. When I was in Indianapolis and I was a youth minister in our diocese. You were there, and I was there with my kids, and my kids, like, loved you, and they're like, she reminds me of you. She's so funny. I remember that now. That's right. That's right. And Tom, I don't know how Tommy knew you. We met at the previous okay. um, youth ministers. It's, the Catholic um, world is small. Catholic world, the Catholic world is small. Like, I met Tommy in 2012. Oh, wow. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, not even on my radar. I didn't meet him until 2014, and now here we are. Yeah. Uh, right, was it 2012? Yeah, it was 2012 when I met him. So, so last night I was telling my mom I had a you know a bunch of interviews today, and I said, you know, the girl who walked up to you at NCYC and handed Tommy a pillow and said, "Happy wedding." That's <laughs> that's who I'm talking to today because you had our wedding gift for like three yeah, years. <laughs> I do. I love it. So we are friends. We are friends. We know yeah. each other. But and I, full disclosure, I I know the 10,000 foot view of Marseille's story, but I know there's so much more depth and, and beauty to the story of you as a black Catholic woman in the church, as a woman in ministry, um, as a birth mom. And so that's what I really want to talk about today. So just for, okay. I, my first question is always, if I bumped into you in an elevator and you would say hello, cause you're the kind of person that says hello in an elevator. Yes. Who would, who would I have met? Tell, give me the, the, the two minute oh, run of Marseille as we're, we're headed to the top floor of the Empire State Building. 
Oh, goodness. Um, well, I would probably ask more about what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Not much. I know it seems like I talk a lot, but I do ask people how they are. But uh, if you were to meet me in an elevator, you would know that I am a family teacher. I work for I work in a city, like it's called Mooseheart Child City and School. I don't know if you heard the Order of the Moose. Um, have you heard, the, like, they're like the Knights of Columbus, they're a fraternal organization. It's like the Shriners, the Elks, the Moose. Yeah. So kind of like that. So the Moose started this organization. So I would tell you, I'm a family teacher at a place called Mooseheart. It's about 40 miles outside of Chicago. And in the, at the residential facility, I run a home on my own with teenage boys. So I like to say that I'm a single mom. Um, and my brood is super smelly and super moody. So <laughs> okay, family home. Um, what is that? What does that look like? Like, so, like- uh, well, it's, it's, well, let's see. It's quite, I live in, I live in a house that's sponsored by the Wisconsin Moose and they are really wonderful. So we have a huge house. We have five student bedrooms, two students to a room. Um, like it's huge. I have my own apartment in the house. We have, you know, like, um, it's a split level home, but it's just like any other home, right? Like p- kids get yelled at for leaving their towels on the floor or, you know, maybe loading your dish. It's being a family teacher is, um, it's a really unique experience. So our kids are here because for some reason or another, home doesn't work, right? For some reason or another, like it doesn't mean that they're bad, their family's bad, whatever's going on. We have different, um, we have different ways um, that our kids need to be here. So they're all here with us and that we're all together and we, we have a family. It's not completely, you know, it's not the conventional family mm-hmm. um, because usually families have kids that are different ages. <laughs> right. But, and you've got a bunch of teenage boys. We've got <laughs> all, all the same age and we we kind of operate that way that we all recognize that we all, all have responsibility. We all like have a social responsibility. We all have a familiar responsibility. Um, we, um, we all have to, we all have to acknowledge that to make this work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I teach social skills as a huge part of my job um, where we do a family teaching model where I kind of help them understand things that a parent would help them understand, but I have to do it in a very succinct um, way where they're being taught a lesson, not like an arrested development lesson where they didn't even know, um, but like <laughs> a lesson where, you know, it's like, hey, it's really important that you accept consequences because consequences are less likely to get larger. Like I always have to have a rationale. Right. So it's like a weird conversation that if you hear us having it, but at the same time, I can be like, okay, not get away from me because I'm sick of looking at your face, but they know that I love them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of how it works. It's, it's, um, I have therapy. I have to make sure I have therapeutic boundaries with all of my kids, but at the same time, like they know that I love them. Like they don't have to guess at that. Yeah. Yeah. And so kind of like this weird fine line that we have to run. Like I'm the adult. I make sure that we have appropriate boundaries, but I also make sure that I'm your family. Right. So to provide them stability. Cause I imagine yes. being brought into that situation, kind of like a foster situation where they're removed from a home and put in there. They voluntarily choose to do that. Um, we actually, I actually have one kid who actually did research this, um, his, uh, his guardian, like he's no longer a student here. Um, his guardian was unable to care for him for medical reasons and being an only child and her being a single parent, um, he knew that he needed help and he's the one who found the information for us. And he's like, Hey, I can go to this place. You know, like this is where I can. And he actually graduated like 
He's one of my kids, graduated valedictorian. I'm just saying, super proud. Wow, awesome. <laughs> yeah, mom pride, right? Like it's it's motherhood. It's not it's not you didn't birth them, but like it's a motherhood right. of of raising and of consistent. How did you fall into that? Like you just saw a job listing or like, what's the story there? Well, it's funny. So gosh, maybe about 17 or 18 years ago, I applied for a job. We'll get into this soon, but it was right after I had my, my son Dylan and I placed him for adoption. And I was like, kind of like, okay, I need to like get my life back on track and, you know, get things together. And I applied for a job at a preschool and I was like, oh my God, I can be a preschool teacher. Um, and so I went to go and I went to apply for that job. And at the job, the director of the preschool, it was so funny. Like during my interview, she goes, have you heard of Mooseheart? And I was like, no. She goes, I think that you'd be good there. And I go, okay, but I'm going to need this job. <laughs> I don't know. It's the job I want. <laughs> right? And so she actually used to have my job. Like she used to be a family teacher at Mooseheart and she was running the, the preschool where I was applying. And she's like, well, I want to hire you. But eventually you need to go work at Mooseheart. And it was really funny because that's how it happened. <laughs> like, and and then, right? And then when I left, like she was one of my references and um, and then I ended up coming here. It was two, I, I, came, I was here for two years and then I left and then 11 years later, I came back. So mm-hmm. there was like a break. So I did, I did it in my twenties. And then I was like, if I'm not careful, I could be here forever and not have, like this would just be it. And so I left and did other things and then, it brought me back. I brought, I came back here. So yeah. it's kind of like, I, I was meant to come back here. And you seem to love it. I mean, from what I see on social media, there's a great joy in what you're getting to do. Um, yes. I like I, how you said that, what I'm getting to do. I love that. Well, yeah. I do. I get to do it. I get to do yeah. it. Yeah. So tell me, tell me then, Marcia, the, you're in the trenches daily with boys in this family home. Um, as mom, I'm assuming for like a stretch of time, they're not just like there for a week. They, I mean, they're great for a while. You're really investing in their lives. What have you learned about, and I'm going to call it a spiritual motherhood, even though it's a secular job. Um, Mm -hmm. like what, what have you learned about motherhood and spiritual motherhood, especially in this role that you're playing? Um, so it's funny because this has been something that lately has, I've been thinking about a lot because, um, like I don't, I don't have my own kids, and so I, I really think that everyone, like every woman um, that I'm starting to learn, has the capacity for motherhood, no matter what. Before she has kids, after she's done having kids, um, we all have that. I feel like that capacity is in me, and it's grown a ton. Where I didn't realize I had the ability to care so much about someone's well-being, someone's spiritual growth, because that's actually one of the things that we talk about here at Moose Heart is spiritual growth. It's not a Christian organization, but it is, you know, they recognize like there's a whole church on campus <laughs> and so, and everything. Um, and so they recognize the importance of just the spiritual growth. But I feel, I, I, I think the term spiritual mother, I always, I always think of like, nuns and you know mary right <laughs> i don't think of marcia <laughs> <laughs> but here we are um but um i really um i really feel that i'm trying to figure out exactly how to say it i'm probably like no i, I don't want to be mumbling but evil. um <laughs> i know right i was like how exactly do i answer this no i um i feel that I, I, okay, I know I'm not their mom. Like, I know I'm not their mom. I always say all the time, like, I'm not your mom. I don't ever tell them to call me mom because that's weird and that's not a therapeutic boundary. Um, but um, I, 
definitely am the adult that is caring for them, loving them in their day-to-day. In there, I think a huge part of it um, is of spiritual motherhood has to be loving someone at their worst. And that is like, that's what I'm doing. Like I didn't have them. I didn't give birth to them. I'm not going to get to keep them, but I love them at their worst. And then hopefully because they're teenagers, maybe one day they'll give me their best. (laughs) (laughs) Fingers crossed, right? Right. Fingers crossed. But I love them at their worst. And I think that it's important for, it's important for anyone at any stage to be loved at their worst. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's what I can offer right now because no matter what like I could have a kid like they get angry right go off on me yell at me whatever it's time to go to bed it's like good night love you see you tomorrow morning they're like (laughs) but I think that's a huge part of it I think that's what I'm called to do right now um and that's so when I when I say I'm like yeah I'm called to love them and nurture them at their worst sometimes and sometimes that's all I get but if but I, I know it's temporary Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope that answers. Does that answer your question? Absolutely. I mean, I love that. Like, loving, loving somebody at their worst, that's a snapshot of the family because it's, it's really, I, I remember distinctly, as soon as you said that, like when I was like 14 or 15 at that awkward phase of, of, you know, teenage femininity where like you just, everything is the worst or the best. Um, and my mom told me one time, she's like, I feel like you give everybody the best except your family. And I like snarked back. Well, but yeah, my family can take the worst of me. Cause it's like, that's like your family's your safe space. And she kind of, I distinctly remember the, the little head bop of my mom realizing my child is wise. And I'm saying this, making myself look really good, but like that's family life is oftentimes when you're it, like, you're a true family, if you can love them at their worst and if they feel comfortable enough to yes. be their worst and to be at their lowest and know that you're investing in them to bring them to their best. Um, when then, Mar- 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 I want to say, I, I feel like I'm saying it wrong. I'm sorry, Marcia. Or Mar- you're saying it the way that you're saying it. I didn't think that you're, I thought you were just saying it the way that you're saying it. Like I, people, it's Marcia. Like, you know, you know, it's not Marcia. Like, not Marcia. I know it's not Marcia. Right. I know that. I just, I'm like, oh, that's just the way you say it. Like, it's I my it's my southernness. That's, that's, uh, what, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, that's I'm like, it's fine. Like, I know. I'm, okay, good. Just making sure. Uh, like, that's like, it's like, I'm making it's more like your accent, you know? So you're good. True. Which has come back out since not traveling. Normally it disappears because I'm traveling so much. I've just been home right. for months and months. <laughs> right. um, when have you, and I mean, feel free to, to tell us this story then. Like you, I think you're uniquely situated to love these young people at their worst and to be a good spiritual mom to them because that's happened for you, right? You've been at, at low moments in your own, we all have, but you've been at low moments <laughs> in your life and have found healing and have found grace and um, have moved to a place where that story is not something you hide, but it's really a part of you. You mentioned your son, Dylan, who you, who you put up for adoption a number of years ago. So please tell us that story. Oh, okay. Yes, absolutely. So I was, um, I was 23, uh, which is so crazy because you would think like, usually when you think people they're like 17 or whatever, but <laughs> Hot Mess does not have an age limit. <laughs> so. Can I name that the episode? Hot Mess doesn't have an age limit. It was Marcia. <laughs> exactly. I would love that. That would be hilarious. No. Um, so I was 23 and I found myself ill-prepared to, to have a child. I wasn't in a place in my life um, that I could do anything. I was actually 
Um, I just had to leave school because a lot of like paperwork and stuff got messed up. And my last semester of college, um, I wasn't able to be a part. Like I, so I had no place to live. I had nothing to do. I didn't have any prospects for a job. And um, like I, like I was, I was, I was essentially homeless and jobless and hopeless. Um, and I mean, when you're 23 and hopeless and jobless and homeless, like your first thought is, well, I need to have an abortion. And that's not, obviously that's not what happened. Um, <laughs> I was actually, um, that was kind that was kind of where I was. I was like, there was nothing else I could do. Um, but the morning of, like I had an appointment and the morning of my appointment, um, Dylan made himself known. Like mm-hmm. he moved and kicked and like, it was before that there was nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, that was the first time and I felt really felt like he was fighting for himself. And in that moment, I was like, well, I actually have to fight for him mm-hmm. um, and make sure that, that he could have a life and not only have a life, but have a good life. And um, I knew that I wasn't able to provide that for him. And so this was in 2003. So it was like in the, the internet was not the great, it's not, it's not what yeah. it is now. Right. But so I, I literally was like, I had no idea what to do. And so I just Googled adoption agencies, Illinois, and the second place answered. And I, I made an adoption plan for him. And uh, at 23 years old, I made an adoption plan for him so that um, I met a family. I had two um, things. I wanted them to be Catholic and I wanted them to be Cubs fans. <laughs> But they go hand in hand. Fly the right. W, baby. <laughs> All day long. Um, and I actually got to meet them. Um, I just told the story. I remember I met them at, we met at like a breakfast place um, because I was super, I was, I was going by myself. Like I had no one go with me um, at that time. At that time I was very alone in the process and I went by myself to meet them. And I was like, I don't care where we go. We need to go somewhere where there's pancakes because I like pancakes are my favorite food and they are my comfort food. And I was like, I don't even, I'm pretty sure I did not eat the pancakes, but they were there. And that's, it's one of those, isn't it weird how you fixate on details? Yeah. Like I was like, I had pancakes and they had pecans in them and it was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I got- And Dylan found a family. Yes, he, he found a family. Um, I found, and it's funny. So he found a family, but I actually found them first because before he was born, they became my family. Um, I got to know them really well. It's actually, it's an open adoption. Okay. Um, And they, they were, they were great and supported me um, through, there were, there were a lot of hardships during my pregnancy. It was, um, I had a lot of, I was supposed to be on bed rest. I had, you know what I mean? Like there was something I could do and they, they supported me. Um, I always know, like, his mom always prayed for me, um, you know, like, all these things. Like, they were amazing, great people. And then, and it was really beautiful the way it worked out because they wanted an open adoption. And I was like, yeah, open adoption is fine, you know, cards and letters. And they're like, oh, no, 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 We are white people, and you and this baby will be Black. We do not know how to raise a Black baby. They go, we will need you. They go, we know how to raise babies. <laughs> Well, we're going to need you in there. And they said, they go, we won't do this if you won't be around. And, um, and and that's not the norm a lot of times. It's not the norm. And that's, I wasn't expecting it. Like I was not expecting Katie. I was like, wait, what? Like you want me to like (laughs) 
like see you and not just, you know, and like, um, and you know, just be around. And they're like, yeah, no, we want you to be family. Like you would be like an aunt, you've got other kids and we want you to be a part of their lives too. Uh, so that's kind of how it was. Um, and they have another son who was adopted. He is Mexican. So I would be like the stand-in yeah. for, mom, for him. <laughs> and they had another son um, who had cerebral palsy. Um, and so he was, I, I, I've known them forever. And we just actually just found out because their son is going to be a junior in college this year. Their old, their, um, their middle son. Um, and he was like, and I said something about, I'm like, yeah, when I first met you. And he goes, what are you talking about? You didn't first meet me. You always met me. And I go, yeah. what? And he, I knew him before his memories, yeah. which is kind of crazy. Yeah. So, um, so we were in it and that's, we've, we've always, I think we left that place with my pancakes that were untouched. We left there as family and we've always been family. Um, and so our, our situation is very unique. I know other women who are in open adoptions. I've actually struggled to find support in birth mom circles because they're, it's really hard to tell people that I grieve every day, um, but not in the same way they do. Like they, it's, it's hard for people to accept that I do grieve because I do get to watch him grow up and I do get to see him. So it's been very difficult to find support in birth mom circles because of it, because I know our situation is very unique. Not that I'm shunned or anything, but I think like I, I feel bad telling someone that I feel bad when I could legit just text him and be like, dude, do you want to get ice cream tomorrow? Do you know? Welcome to femininity, right? Like women will always feel bad about something all the time, regardless of the circumstance. Even though I don't say sorry, it's one of those things. Like, cause I, I, I've like mostly trained myself out of apologizing for nonsensical things. So, um, but so I, I was, I got to be there throughout of, throughout his whole life. Like I have been there for every sacrament. Um, I was at his baptism. I was at his first communion. I got to be his confirmation sponsor because of the loophole, because I didn't raise him. <laughs> I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Marcea um, and have enjoyed the entire Ave Explorer series where we've really looked at the depth and the beauty and the uniqueness and, and all the different versions of Catholic family life. You know, again, we're in the business of telling stories here at Ave Explorers, and, and we really want to tell these stories well. This season, we've had Jeannie Gaffigan, Brian Greenfield, Damon and Melanie Owens, uh, Dr. Edward and Beth Shree, Riley and Nick Sharapa. We've had conversations with people who are in the trenches of Catholic family life and talking about it from every angle and deep diving into it. And, and we think you'd love those episodes. So go back and listen to the old parts of this season, as well as look at our entire content catalog for Ave Explorers Catholic Family Life over on AveMariaPress.com. Okay, back to the show. That's not a legal child, so. But no, I got to be his. Uh, I got to be his confirmation sponsor, and that that moment was like, I could not even contain myself. Like I was a whole mess, and he was like, "What? It's fine. We're just gonna stand there." And I was like, "But I'm gonna stand right there." There's Holy Spirit. There. You're here because you kicked. I mean, there's all of that. Like as the birth mom, that's a huge. I, there's there's something here that I think is. I really want to tease this out, and it's in the work that you're doing with these, these teenage boys that you live with, 
But then also like you're choosing life for Dylan. And then also this creation of a family with his adoptive family, right? Like family isn't just something that's made in one way. Like we create community and family almost wherever we go. Like I, I joke all the time that like the Ave family, which is obviously like, it's a business, it's a company, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like they are also, my coworkers are friends who I can communicate with and share honestly with about all sorts of things. This is, this is a, uh, can you give me some, maybe some insight on how you have thrived in, in, and you do this really well with your friends, I think, in forming these families. Like what have you learned about yourself in making these families and, and, and creating these communities? Well, um, so a year ago, I probably won't be able to answer this question, but <laughs> in, I've learned that I didn't, so <clears throat> I guess I should backtrack. So about a year and a half ago, um, like I've had, I've had a lot of health issues and it kind of culminated into me, um, being unable to have children, um, as uh, like, that's kind of like, I had a lot of health issues and then like April 1st, <laughs> um, I was no longer going to have kids. And so that was, that was really hard and I was very bitter and I didn't understand, like, I didn't understand that there were so many things leading me to like this moment and doing what I'm doing. And I wouldn't have been able to answer that question. I would have been like, um, yeah, that's fine. I love what I do. And I have a passion for youth and youth development is my field. And things like that. But, um, I've had to learn through the loss of, um, having any natural motherhood ever again, um, that motherhood isn't only one way, right. Um, actual loving, nurturing family isn't just one way. Um, so I, I've actually had to learn that like through my own loss, um, I've learned that, um, I'm, I'm stronger like this right now, not that, um, I just learned how strong I am mm-hmm. and how I am well equipped to, to guide my kids' moms on this journey of being separated from their kids. Like, I mean, like I'm a guide and a nurturer and it's kind of crazy how that's kind of happened because I know, I know how my kids' moms feel, mm-hmm. right? Like I know what they're thinking every night. I know what it's like to be separated from your child and not be part of his day to day. And, um, and I've just, I've learned a lot how to be really strong. <laughs> um, and I would say I've, I've always been a strong person, but um, I've had to tap into like a deeper strength. And I've learned a lot in those ways about what I can handle, what I can't. I've learned a lot to see what my breaking points are, which in a way that I never have before, just, um, because I'm doing this work and in this, and I won't say like in the state that I am now, but in my reality, in my current reality, Mm -hmm. I better learn how to do this work and how to nurture, um, and how, how to empathize in a way that I, I wouldn't have before. Cause for the first month or two, I was real bitter and I wasn't okay. I bet. Um, Especially, but, uh, yeah. I mean, because it's an infertility as a single woman. Like, that's a huge thing to, can you, maybe, I don't even know what question to ask here, but like knowing that, like being told, like, I'm sorry, you can't have children. Like that, and you're dating and you're. you're... I'm actually not. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> and and I know that's no, and it's well that was that it's actually um so I I highly believe that counseling is like the best thing you could ever do for Absolutely. yourself. Yes. <laughs> so I'm a gift. Yeah. No, so I'm actually working toward being okay to date because I feel it felt for a long time I felt like I'd be cheating someone. Mm. Um because I'm like, I can't have kids and you know what I mean? And like, what, what do I have to offer? Like, I know, here's the thing. I'm well aware that I'm amazing. Like well aware. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to, maybe you see my Instagram, you know, <laughs> you're like. Confidence is your middle name and it inspires so many of us. <laughs> I always say confidence is my patronus, but, <laughs> but, but uh, at the same time, I am well aware what I can't offer, what I don't have to offer. And so I tried to date for a while um, after my surgery and I was like, I can't do this. Like I, um, I wasn't ready to have that conversation or let things get to a point where I can be like, okay, let's move forward. Also, I can't give you children. (laughs) So, um, so I have, so I'm not, and like, I haven't, I'm going to, like, I'm at a point where everyone's like, Marcia, seriously. And I'm like, I know I will eventually, maybe. Um, and so, um, so I'm not. And that was a conscious choice. And then now I'm at a point where I'm like, okay, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do this. Yeah. And so, so that so to answer your question, it's not factoring into my <laughs> single dating life because I currently don't have one. Um, but I'm working on it. Maybe next time. Next time yeah. I'm on the show with you. Yeah, we'll bring you back. If you have numbers, guys, send them our way. But well, what? And I mean, (laughs) stop me if it's if it's too personal. But so, I mean, a single woman then who's made the conscious decision: I'm not going to date right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna live in this reality, and I'm gonna live in this job, and I'm gonna do the things that I'm doing. Sometimes there's this, and we've talked about it with other guests on the show. um, This false narrative of like, well, then your life hasn't begun. Like your life doesn't begin until you're married with kids and you have the house and the car and. It's like, but that's not true. So like, there's great joy in your life and there's, there's great sacrifice in your life. Let's, let's talk about that for a second. Like single life is not just a holding pattern. There's, no. there's fruit, right? We know something by its fruit and your life has borne great fruit. Um, <laughs> so what, what have you learned in all of this as a single woman? Like what your role is in the church, what your role is um, in the lives of these young men that, that you mm-hmm. need to work with and in the lives of your friends? Um, so I'm actually, I'm like, I'm getting yelled. People are, who are listening that know me are yelling at me right now. Um, <laughs> because I'm actually writing a book that I haven't finished and it's about finding joy in your single life. Mm. Um, and it's like, and it's about like this, this doesn't, you don't have to wait. It really is about not waiting for your life to start. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, and because you know, nobody, nobody listening to this would ever be able to say your life hasn't begun. Like you've lived so much life. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, here's the thing. I really love my life and <laughs> I really appreciate my life and everything that I've done. And I can't, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I can't sit still. There's no way I'm going to wait for a man for my life to begin. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I'm like, I would have to turn in my feminist card, baby. That would not be okay. <laughs> But yes, so it's, it's actually about that. I have, I know so many people in my life that are like, when I get married, I will do this. Or when I, and I used to even be like that at 25, I was like, well, when I get married, I can worry about that. Or when I, you know, and it's like, no, my gosh, you know how much, how 
long you'd have to wait to do what you want to do and be who you want to be. Um, and I think that so much of that is so part of my book. I don't even know if it's, and I'm like waiting because I'm like, it's probably not theologically sound. I talk about like big V vocation and little V vocation. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, even though like you're not, I'm not married or in an order and like, I don't have like my vocation that way um, because I have controversial thoughts that singlehood is not a vocation and people get mad at me, but <laughs> I don't think it's a permanent vocation. We don't, you can cut that out if you want to. But, um, we'll let it ride. We'll, we'll okay. take That's fine. But I have like all my little B vocations are what drive me and what keep me going. Right. Um, like I feel like I have the vocation to be a nurturer, to be a teacher, to be a guide, to be a presence, to be a friend. I was telling someone other day, one day that in my life, like as a single woman, it depends on how old you are and what I am. you, Right. If you are younger than me, I am the best big sister ever. If we are peers, I am the coolest aunt <laughs> or sorry. No, no. If we are younger than me, I'm the coolest aunt ever. But if we're peers, I'm the best big sister that you'll ever have. And that's how that goes. And that's how that works. Like I, so many of my friends' kids, like I'm their aunt, mm-hmm. like I'm Aunt Marcia, whether they're my sister's kids or not, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, and that's, and that's my role um, as a single woman. And I have the time and I have the energy um, to offer that to my, like that sauce, like, Hey, you want to tap out? I got you right? It takes a village. Like we are a whole family. Um, my uh, co-host Shannon, all of her kids, um, all four of them, I'm her youngest child's godmother, but all of those kids, like they're my kids. You need to tap out. I got you. Right. Yes. <laughs> so like, I will drive to Indianapolis to be like, okay, I'll take them to the zoo for a day. <laughs> like, yeah. You know? And like, that is, that's my role. Like I, I, I get to, I get to use my singleness in a way um, that some people don't think to because they're kind of busy being sad. <laughs> I know that's yeah. awful. No, but. well, it's true. I mean, it's, and it's, it's a trend, you know, you see it on Twitter. So I kind of like crowdsourced a little bit on like, okay, well, if we did a Catholic family life season, what would you want to hear about? And somebody said singlehood and the fruits of it. And I love the way they put that because there are great fruits. Yes. And then, and so then ancillary to that, I did like a little Q and A on Instagram, <clears throat> excuse me. I did a little Q&A on Instagram and somebody asked, like, how do I get the most out of my single life? And I stupidly, and I'm happy that somebody called me out on it. I was like, oh, well, this is your time to be just by, be frivolous. Like, do all those things that you won't get to do when you're married. And somebody messaged me back and said, well, single people are called to, like, sacrifice too. And it shook me because, like, absolutely, like, you're called to holiness in the single life. You're called to invest within family life. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you might have to insert yourself and be the single person who's like, no, no, I'm here. Like, I'm going to be part of this. But but what, what would you say to that person who's listening to this? Be like, okay, well, I want to do this. Like, how do they begin that? How do they start that? How do they, how do they live in that confidence of singlehood? Oh, um, sorry. I was, I didn't bring no, 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 you're fine. No, you're fine. I think be intentional with your relationships. I think that, well, that's a huge part of living confidently in any stage of your life. Being intentional with your relationships, having people who challenge you and won't let you just, like, you can't be content being the way you are all the time. Like, we all have stuff to work on, right? And even in our singleness, we're still called to community, Mm. right? And so, and a lot of part that community does is, like, they help like, you know, slough off all the rough edges and we like, and we get to sharpen each other and, you know, all these things. And so I would say be intentional in your relationships, 
be, have people in your life who aren't afraid to challenge you. And I'm an Enneagram eight and I respect that even though I don't like it. (laughs) Accept the rules as they are. I was like, but, um, I think that's, I think that's, what's really helped me. Um, I love that. I've found people in my life, even though I don't have anyone to like love, (laughs) but like I have enough people in my life that love me enough not to leave me as I am. And I think that was too good to say that again. I I have enough people in my life um, that love me too much to leave me as I am. And so I feel like I don't know. I'm like, I'm sure I've heard that somewhere. (laughs) That's a genius. Um, But that is important, right? Uh, I think that single people get into a rut and I find myself getting into a rut sometimes where I'm okay with this as it is. And that is why it's important that I go to counseling because my therapist is like, um, so you're getting content. Maybe you need to start dating. Yeah, <laughs> like maybe a little you bit. need to like, you know, like you're fine. You're good. You discovered this. You know what I mean? Like start challenging yourself, move out of like, get uncomfortable, mm-hmm. like things like that. And I think that's how every time in my life when I've been intentional in relationships, even if that means intentionally like getting toxic people out of my life or um, becoming friends with other people, I've always grown and I've always become more Marcia. And that's what my thing is like, I need to become, there are people out there who argue that maybe I should not become more Marcia, but they're wrong. <laughs> they're they absolutely wrong. How dare you? First of all, how dare you? But no, so. well, and, I mean, this circles right back to what you said at the beginning, loving people as they are in their best or in their worst, but never, I mean, that's how Christ loves us. He's never mm-hmm. content to just, okay, they're fine. Like we're not called yeah. to fine and we're not called to mediocre. We're called to sanctity and that can we're be found to greatness. Yeah. We're called and to greatness. And that's found in all of our different situations of life and the circumstances and the stories and the moments and the decisions. I guess here at the end, then my final question to you is, um, and I'm, I'm even having a hard time phrasing it because I want to make sure I, I say it correctly. In all of these moments, because there's this beautiful timeline of your life, um, of what you've invested in, of what's happened, of, of the decisions that you've made, where have you really seen God work? I, that's not even the right way to say it. Where, where has God been most present to you and how has he most made himself aware to you and, and showing to you, like, I love you, like you're mine and I love you. And, and I, I'm happy with who you are. Well, um, I think it's so, I know it's going to sound so cheesy. Um, so I, at church here at Moose Heart, we have a huge church and there is, uh, at the same, we have a, we have a blessed sacrament chapel. Like we've got a chapel, um, and then we, well, well, it's a chapel with their sacraments there, but, and we have a Protestant church, but um, we have a little Catholic community of our own at Mozart. Like we've got people that come in um, and things like that. And then our kids get to be Catholic and, you know, so I help out because there can't be a Catholic thing where I don't help out. Like that's real. Um, <laughs> Part of who you are. Right. Um, and so I canter every Sunday at mass. Um, and so the most recent time and I, because I know that I'm God's and I recognize that, but I was having a really off Sunday and there are moments when I'm having off Sundays and I have to be present for everyone else. And I have to use my gifts that 
those are the Sundays where I feel that God uses me the most in all of my like brokenness and my emptiness and things are awful. And I was, um, and, and then that's really is where, like there was one Sunday in particular, if I have time to tell the story, do I have, okay. Um, so I, everything was awful. I actually told the story a couple months ago, but I was feeling off and I just needed to feel, I just needed to like re- remember that God is God, right? Things weren't going super great in my life and things like that. And I was like, well, I changed the mass songs. I was like, we're going to sing How Great Thou Art because I just need to remind myself of that. And I was feeling really empty. Um, and so we went through mass. I sang How Great Thou Art. Mass was over. I still didn't feel any better, but I was like, it's okay. You know, like, <laughs> like I'm like, I, I was here. Things are great. Um, and in the sacristy, a, a man approached me and I'd seen him a few times at mass. Like he wasn't a um, loose hurt person. Um, he, he was a visitor. I'd seen him a few times and I'd seen his wife a couple times. And he's like, I, um, he's like, can I talk to you? And I was like, yeah. I was like, we're in the sacristy alone. <laughs> right. And, uh, he shared with me that he had cancer, that it wasn't going to get better. Um, he was hopeless. He just was trying to figure out like what God was doing in his life, things like that. And he's like, I just need to remember that God is great and all these things. And, um, and he was just, it was hard for him. And, uh, he goes, but when you sang how great thou art, everything just kind of fell into place. And I got this immediate peace that God was taking care. He was going to take care of everything. He was going to take care of me, my family. He was going to take care, um, uh, maybe not in the way that I wanted it to, but I had to remember God was in control and that God was great. And he's like, and you did that. And you healed my spirit in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? I'm a hot mess. <laughs> I didn't do that. <laughs> right? No, and it was like this whole conversation. And he was crying the sacristy. And mm-hmm. I didn't see him again after that. And I didn't even think about, like, you know, and I saw his wife a few more times. Right? And then I got a phone call um, a couple of weeks. And then, no, it was months later. It was mo- very many months later. And someone who I didn't know, it was Deacon. He's like, oh, um, I heard that you sing at Mooseheart. And... I would like you to sing um, at my brother-in-law's funeral. And I was like, oh, okay, I can absolutely do that. That's fine. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, um, he's like, he met you once. And I go, oh, okay. <laughs> and I was like, oh, and I was like, okay. And uh, he was like, you probably don't remember this, but I don't know if you remember, but he came and he approached you in the chapel. Um, and, you know, all this stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, I remember that. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I know, like yeah. I've only seen him a few times and, you know, whatever. And, and he was like, yeah. And um, he's like, so I think they want you to sing a couple songs. I'm not sure what it is, but they, they want you to sing. And, um, and they specifically said that you need to sing How Great Thou Art. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, uh, okay. Um, and so, and it's those moments where I feel so loved by God, like, because I was feeling at my worst and Katie got looked me at my worst that day. Um, not only for me to like, you know, be a light to this man, but I remember 
over that Sunday. Like I, I yeah. it was not a great Sunday for me. Um, but he was like, no, you've got gifts and you are worthy and you make an impact. And sometimes I forget that I can make an impact. I know that I'm loud. I know I'm brassy. I know, <laughs> you know, I, I, I know who I am. And I know who I am. But um, I forget that I, like, I am good, you know? And I think in those moments when God loves me enough to remind me that I am worth something to him and to others, um, I, I just can't help but feel loved by him and get the strength to continue to do what I'm doing in my life and to remember to listen to the Holy Spirit. It's really just amazing. I, I will never forget that moment. Like, you know, like it was one Sunday when I needed to hear how great thou art that someone else needed to hear it too. Right. When it, it just, it just goes to show that the concept of family and community and presence to one another is never just limited to the suburban house with the kids, like with the picture that I think we all think of, but that family and that loving one another, it, 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 it crosses every, I think, boundary. It crosses every path that, that God just is constantly reminding us of that. Thank you for being present. Mm-hmm. Um, and for singing that song, way to change, way to change it up and make an impact. Right. right. Um, Marcia, where can we find you? Where can we support your work? I know you have a podcast. Tell us that name. Yes. Yes. So I have a podcast. It's called flat skirts and basic black. It is a podcast I do with one of my best friends, Shannon, who I mentioned. Um, we, it's called that because we're black Catholic, like, you know, flat skirts and we're basic as all get out. Like I drink off of Starbucks. I, I know I that sent coffee. Tommy for Starbucks this morning, just so I could hold up my <laughs> oh, cup. <laughs> oh, I saw that. I was like, she's got Starbucks. I'm oh like, yeah. I've got, my, I've got my coffee. There you I go. My, I had a Keurig Starbucks. So there's that. Here we go. It's like we're hanging uh, out. <laughs> oh, exactly. So we've got, um, so we talk about black culture, pop culture, Catholic culture. Um, we cover all things. There are very many shenanigans. I love it. I love <laughs> Thank it. You. And it's basically how we experience the world with a Black Catholic lens. And we started the podcast because we like having these, we have these conversations all the time. And we're like, maybe other people want to hear them too. And we've kind of created a space. And it's funny because most of our listeners aren't Black. <laughs> most- not, not Black, very white. <laughs> and have learned so much. And everybody And that's what it, it is. Yeah. It's a safe space for people to learn. And I think that's, we've realized that. We're like, oh my gosh, like this is, most yeah. of our listeners are white because they don't want to look stupid asking questions. And yes. they're like, that's <laughs> a thousand percent. I can listen to this and I know I'm learning something true. Everybody should check it out. Add it to you. I only subscribe to like six podcasts because they you know, clog up your phone really quickly. That's one of the six. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, next to the New York Times, I got, I got that. So <laughs> And you're on, you're on Instagram and Twitter and yeah. Facebook. Where can we find you there? Yes. So our, uh, it's PSBB podcast on Instagram and you can find me at stylish Lucia. Like everyone thinks who, before they hear my name, I think my name is Lycia because it's like, Oh, stylish Lycia. And I go, that's not, no, I really okay. should have kept the underscore. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I'll link it in the show notes, of course. Yes. Um, but yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's where you can find me and learn more about me, my insane coffee habit. Um, all of my clothes. I basically, it's me and my cute clothes dropping truth bombs. That's I feel great. like that's what. <laughs> it's a great. Everybody needs to go follow you, um, listen to the show, bring you in to speak when we can do that again. Um, when the world is back to normal. Um, when the world is back to normal. Yeah. Well, when the world 
is we can move because Katie, the world should not go back to what it's. That's true. Was That's very true. The world <laughs> is vastly different than it was before. I just meant like getting on planes yes. fear of death. Um, I know what you. Yes. Which is why I'm not getting on planes right now, even yeah. though that's my life. Um, but thank you for taking the time. As always, it's a joy uh, to get to hang out with you. Tommy was very jealous. I think he might be hanging out on the other side of the door, listening to this whole conversation. <laughs> Um, either that or he and Rose went for a walk, but, but thanks, <laughs> yeah. thanks again. Thank you for having me. Of course. If you, like me, listened to that and thought, man, I really want to hang out with her, um, then you should definitely go listen to Marseille's podcast uh, that she mentioned, Plaid Skirts and Basic Black, um, and follow her on Instagram and learn from her experiences and, and listen to some of her wisdom. I think there were two things that she said in this episode that struck me, and one of them was very much centered in the idea that you know motherhood is much bigger than sometimes we even imagine, and she is definitely a mother in a variety of different ways. But then also the ways that our, our life doesn't just begin when we have a family. We, we talked about this a little bit on um, our episode on single life on Ave Explores Live, and you can find that that recorded video conversation with three single people on our Facebook, our YouTube, our Vimeo pages, as well as IGTV, all Ave Maria Press. But what the wisdom here is, is that Catholic family life doesn't just include mom, dad, biological children. It, it can include the birth mother. It can include the children that are living in the family home um, by choice or, or because of the circumstances surrounding this necessary foster situation, so to speak. That again, and I sound like a broken record, but welcome to the podcast. Catholic family life is big tent. It's nuanced. There's a lot going on. There's a lot there. I love that we're exploring this. I love that we are unpacking this. And I, I hope that you go look at all of those stories that we're telling. Articles, videos, podcasts, Facebook Live recorded conversations. So much that's there that really deep dives into the family life as an anchor and as an arm of the church. Um, we hope you subscribe to the Ave Explorers podcast, that you give it a rating, that you give it a review, that you share it with people. This season has been one of our most popular because I think this topic really speaks to people's hearts and, and people can relate to it. So I hope you share the episodes that have really touched you and, and, and you, you talk to other people about what you're learning. If you like this podcast, I think you'd also like our other Ave Maria Press podcast, Ave Spotlight. You can find that on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. It's a weekly chat with a guest between Father Dennis and myself. We talk talk about current events. We talk about a topic that's relevant to faithful everyday Catholics kind of in the moment. Last week we had an episode with Chica Anyanwu about social media. We've got episodes coming up with Jared Dees and Garrido. Um, excellent people just talking about things that we think are really important for Catholics to discuss and talk about in the current moments. So that's Ave Spotlight. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. As always, we're grateful that you listened to this week's episode of Ave Explorers, and we hope you join us this Friday for another special episode on infertility with Dr. Timothy O'Malley from the McGrath Institute for Church Life at the University of Notre Dame. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.